within the stories of Chumash that we come across the idea of putting someone in Tfisa, in imprisonment. And one of them is in this week's parsha. But the story in this week's parsha is less obvious than some of the other sources. The two other ones are more obvious, more clear in the text. And they are a story in Parshas Emmer, the story of the Megadif, the story of the one that, uh, the blasphemer, the one that spoke inappropriately, he uh, was Makalali, cursed out God's name. And he was placed in uh, solitary confinement, Bamishmar. It's clear in the Psukim and Parshas Emmer. Another fellow, oh, here you are. another fellow was in the end of Parshas Shlach, the Makoshish, our good friend, the Makoshish. We had a shear about him not too long ago. The Makoshish as well. He was caught desecrating the Shabbos publicly. There are two sheets, plenty of sets. And he was also placed in Mishmar in confinement. Now, what was the purpose of those two individuals being placed in Mishmar, in, a, in, a, in jail, in prison, being held? So we begin with Rashi number one. Number one is a simple Rashi in Chumash, in Parshish Emmer. And Rashi says, they placed the Makalo, the cursor, they placed him in a, in a cell, in some type of confinement, some type of hold, a prison. Says Rashi Levado, he was placed alone, solitary confinement. They did not place the Makoshish with him. Says Rashi, why would they have? They were both the same time. They were both the same time, but they were placed in different, uh, in different holdings. Here we go. Now, why Taka were they not placed together? So here's an important idea. Says Rashi, the Yoidim the Makoshish, the one that was caught, let's say, gathering wood, the story in the end of Shlach, they knew that he deserved the death penalty. It says in Pasha's Kisisa, whoever desecrates the Shabbos must die. Avil, however, they did not know how to kill him. They didn't know which penalty. There are four ways that Bezin can administer the death penalty. Stoning, burning, strangulation, slicing off the head. They didn't know which one. That's why it says, in fact, in Parsha Shlach, when Moshe put the Mekoshish in his prison, didn't know what to do with him. He knew he should die, but didn't know how. But by the cursor in Parsha's Emmer, who Aimer the Pasuk says that they put him in jail, to hear what they should do. They did not know him, does he deserve the death penalty or not? According to Rashi, the reason these two people were put in jail, it was a temporary measure until it became clear from God what should be done with them. So the jail was not a term for punishment, it was just to hold them until it was clarified what to do with them. <clears throat> now Rashi in Pasha's Shlach, when he speaks about the Makoshish, he says, when Taka did the story happen? The story happened, in fact, before Matan Torah. The story happened in the, fir in the second Shabbos in the wilderness, 
which was bef- it's written in Parsha Shlach, but it actually happened before we got to Aseris Hadibris in Yisrael. <coughs> it was when we first entered the desert and we were given the mitzvah of Shabbos, the first Shabbos we kept, the second one, the Mekoshish desecrated. That's what he says in Parsha Shlach. Which is interesting, because then how did they know that the Mekoshish should die? Rashi here says they knew the Mekoshish should die, because it says in Parsha's Kisisa, whoever breaks Shabbos should die. They didn't know which death penalty. But the story happened well before Parsha's Kisisa. Parsha's Kisisa is what Hashem told Moshe when he was in Har Sinai. <coughs> the story of the Mekoshish predates that. But somehow the Yidin knew already then that there's a death penalty for Shabbos. I guess when Rashi says that because it says in Kisisa, he's just bringing a raya that it's well known that Shabbos carries a death penalty. And the same way it says in Pasha's Kisisa, the Yidin were informed that already way back when. When they were given Shabbos in Morah, when they left Egypt and they went through the desert, they know. And Rashi seems to explain the reason why is because they had different sentences. Or they had different, they, there were different punishments. The one that broke Shabbos for sure should die, the Shailah's how. And the, the Mekalo, the cursor, the Bechal didn't know if he should die or not. So the Sifzich HaChobim explains, you see from here, you can't put two prisoners in, together if their outcomes may be different. Because imagine if the cursor would have been put together with the Mekoshish, and then the cursor would know that the Mekoshish is going to die. He would think the same thing awaits him, and then he finds out he's actually off the hook. Unnecessary torment. Unnecessary torment. And that's why since they're under different categories, they cannot be in the same cell. Because, right, if you have two prisoners together and one is for sure going to get the death penalty, what's the other guy supposed to think? And if he's not going to get the death penalty, it's unnecessary torture to have him go through that psychological uh, torment. They have a They both have a Yes. Yeah, like regular. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyhow, <clears throat> so this is one idea we find clear in Chumash, the idea of Meiser. But it wasn't jail for the purpose of a punishment of jail. It was a temporary measure just to clarify what should be done with the fellow. Okay, this takes us to number two. Number two is a Rashi in this week's Parsha. There's a story of Eldad and Medod. Eldad and Medod, two wonderful, they were prophets, great, great people. Last year we had it, last year actually, today, on this week's Parsha, we had a fascinating shear about the identities of Eldad and Medod. <coughs> brothers, half-brothers of Moshe, the Shailas from Amram or from Yecheved, as we discussed by Rucha. But Eldad and Medod give a prophecy. And Moshe's son, Gershom, comes running to his father. Moshe was then in the Oyal Moyed, he was in the Mishkan. And he had just summoned 70 elders from the Shvatim to join him in his communal service. And the Eibishter emanated from the spirit of Moshe upon them. And they all prophesied. Eldod and Medod remained in their tents in the camps. And they prophesied too. What did they say? They told people, Moshe is going to pass on. Yeshua will bring the Yidin to Israel. You could imagine that kind of shook, shook the populace. Moshe's son comes running and says, Eldod and Medod are prophesying in the camp. 
Yeshua was there and he said, Master, my master, Moshe, Kloem. Look at Rashi number two. What does Kloem mean? Place upon them. Sarchet Sibur is communal obligations. And they will <laughs> they'll fall away on their they'll disappear on their own. It'll destroy them. It'll destroy them. And many understand that to mean that the <clears throat> the headache and the heartache of dealing with the community will uh, have them lose their status of prophets. They won't have the the peace of mind, the joy, the the calmness of spirit in order to receive prophecy. And that way we'll take care of these prophets. Says Rashi, Doverach or another pshat. Put them in prison. Because they were prophesying, Moshe will die, Yeshua will bring the Yidden to Eretz Yisrael. So Yeshua wanted them imprisoned. And the Shaili is, what's Yeshua talking about? Where do we find in Torah that prison is given as a punishment? Where do we find such a thing that Yeshua says, Kloim, the only historical um, precedence Yeshua could have drawn, drawn from is, is Rashi number one, the story of the cursor in Parshish Emmer and the story of the Mekoshish in Shlach, which happened, like we mentioned, even before the Torah was given. So it's a year, a year plus before the story in this week's Parsha. So Yeshua is maybe drawing on this, uh, and, you know, these... these uh, precedents from earlier that you see sometimes you throw someone in jail but hang on there it was always a temporary measure until we figured out what to do with them what? right exactly exactly right it's a difference of jail before the sentence or after the sentence right you want to make sure the guy doesn't bail the guy doesn't run you have to hold on to them until we figure out what to do with them so how is Yeshua inferring from those stories to throw Eldad and Meldad in prison? There's a punishment. They did something wrong. We don't know what yet. We never have... Oh, oh. So in other words, Yeshua wasn't sure what they did yeah, wrong. Yeah, oh, they did oh. something wrong. Well, Stick well, them in jail. We'll figure it out. Oh, oh, oh. So, so the Kayan wants to suggest that Yeshua, Fakert, he was saying, just like in the other two precedents, the reason we locked him up was to figure out what to do, so too over here. Which means Yeshua had some type of suffolk. He was unsure what to do what with Eldod and Medod. What, so what did, okay, so what taki did they do wrong? They were given a prophecy. Lechur, to the contrary, if a prophet receives prophecy and doesn't reveal it, they're chayiv misa. They get, obviously Bezin can't kill them because we don't know about it, right? But they're chayiv misa in the hands of heaven. They're chayiv misa in the hands of God if they hold back their prophecy. In fact, the, the, the Ramban, the Rosh, the Dogged Shavar all learn when it comes to the story of Yosef, the reason why Yosef couldn't hold, didn't hold back the dreams. He told them to his brothers. What was he thinking? They continued to hate him. What was he thinking? And the Dogged Shavar explains, based on those Roshonim and his own ideas, that these dreams to Yosef was a prophecy. He, couldn't, he, he was not allowed to keep them in his stomach. He had to reveal them. He didn't have a choice, although he knew the consequences, you know, the enmity that would be born between him and his brothers. So, what was the suffolk of Yeshua? Her Eldad Meidah did nothing wrong. So, but did he know them to be prophets? 
Does that mean the first time anyone prophesies, you throw them in prison? No, but it says clearly. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what we know. That's what God told Moshe to write. Oh, Gershom said, well, fine. Yeah, no, they were saying prophecy, but how did they know it was real? So, no, so, 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 so the truth is, there's lots of discussion over here. What exactly happened? Why were they giving prophecy in the camp? Why didn't they go to the Mishkan like all the other 70 elders? The Abish promised Moshe 70 elders, but there's 12 Shvatim. <laughs> there's 12 Shvatim, right? If you have six from every Shev, it gives you 72. How do you get 70? So two Shvatim had to give only five. Moshe said, how will I decide between, no Shevet's going to listen to me to give only five. So Moshe summoned six from every Shevet, and he made a girl 72 pieces of paper. On 70 it says, you are an elder, two of them were blank. So you may assume that Eldod and Maidod were the two that reached the blanks. And that's why they went back to their camps, to, to their tents. The problem is, but then they prophesied. Yeshua says, Hashem said only 70. God said 70. There's already 70 in the Mishkan. They must be false prophets. That's one opinion in the Sifri. No, but then, then why do you throw them in prison? If they're false prophets, if you know they're false prophets, Bechenek, kill them. You know, the, what's the idea of throwing them in prison? Why wasn't he sure? God said 70 and they got, forget, they got the empty papers. They were not chosen. So the truth is, Rashi writes in Masech the Sanhedrin and Daf Yezayin, Eldod and Maidod never went to the Mishkan. Everyone knew there's going to be 72 people chosen, and they knew that two of them are going to get the cold shoulder. They're going to come to the Mishkan, we're going to do the raffle, only 70 will be chosen. So Rashi and Sanhedrin learns Eldod and Maidod never left their tents. They were worried that out of their humility, they were going to be the two people to get the blank. So they never went. The other 70 went, they all got the ticket that said Zokin, you are an elder, and there were two left, two blanks left. But Eldad made it actually never received them. They never received the blank. It's a big difference, because Rashi writes in this week's parsha, the idea was whoever received the blank is receiving a message that you are unworthy. But they never received it in their hand, that means they never received the message. So therefore, Yeshua maybe was unsure. There happens to be another opinion in Medrash that it could be Eldod and Maidod were actually part of the 70. There were two others that were disqualified. But out of their humility, they said, we should be the ones. So they left. They left. Yeshua's problem was that Hashem told Moshe, I will animate from the spirit on you among the, the elders. They all had to be next to Moshe. Eldod and Maidod were in their tents. So Yeshua felt maybe that was a foreign spirit. So there were, there's lots of opinions exactly what you happened. You could not use Moshe and Aaron as the 71 and 72, or 1 and 2 and then 70? Well, 70 besides them. No, 70 besides them. Well, Aaron isn't discussed, but 70 besides but Moshe. Only, but they come from, okay. There's a one so opinion is... That they are from <coughs> their tribe, so they only took four more from their tribe. So it's 70 besides Moshe. So I understand, but so what Moshe and Aaron is 72. No, but Levi, who said Levi? If Ephraim and Manasseh both gave six people, then Levi didn't. You can't count Levi and Manasseh and Ephraim, then you get 13. So either Yosef in general gave six, and then Levi gave six, or Levi didn't give. We don't know, we don't know. 
Eldot and Maidot, by the way, are from different Shvatim. They're not from the same Shevet. Because you always wonder, Moshe's Goyrul, what if this? What, what if one Shevet got both blanks? They only give yeah. uh, they only give four. That would be like unfair. Moshe didn't anticipate that. Moshe said, I'm worried which Shvatim are going to get the five. But why wasn't he worried the same Shevet will get both blanks? But Eldot and Maidot are not from the same Shevet. As we discussed last year, exactly which... Uh, according to one opinion, you know, but uh, it's, it's a Machleikah says. says... Uh, there were all the different opinions we saw last year. Some say they are from the same Shevet, in fact, their father's Amram, but the Medrash Tanchuma says they're different Shvatim, and that's what we're going to take today. Now, so you see there's a bit of a question about, you know, you can say Yeshua was unsure about this, unsure about that. I want to suggest the following. Look at number five for a second. This is just a preamble to our discussion. <coughs> number five is Menachem Azari of Panu the great, great uh, Kabbalist in the 1500s, early 1600s, lives in Italy, a big rov, a wealthy man, and one of the, one of the greatest mukabalim. And he discusses Eldod and Medod. And look at number five, let's read what he says. We're jumping to number five. In the first parak of Chagiga, there's a story, there were Heno Trey Ilmi, two mute people, that were in the neighborhood of Rebbe. Grandchildren of Rabbi Yochanan ben Gudgada. And they were mute. And Rebbe would give shir and they would just be, you know, nodding with their head, making with their lips, you know, being good students. Like us. And Rebbe davened for them, they should be able to speak. And it was exposed, it became apparent that they were gemir, they knew the entire Torah. You know, sometimes you have students in Shir and they never say a word, and for all you know, they, they, they know everything. Vesoyito Inyan says that I'm Who are these two mutes that are discussed in Gemara Chagiga? Students of Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. Elo Trey Achin, Eldod and Medod. They were Gilgulim of Eldod and Medod. These two people in Chagiga are Eldod and Medod. Veleidosan Hoysa Oz Bedima, Minisu and Haniska, when they were first born. In, in the times of the desert, they were born amongst tears. Veheim besoy dimas ashukim, the tears of those that are oppressed. Ma'achar sins to get loyhoya belave shalom. The get was not with a full heart. Just to quickly remind you from last year, the opinion of Yonis and Benoziel is when Amram divorced his wife, when Pare came out with the decree that all the firstborn kids have to be killed, Amram temporarily divorced Yechevet. That we know it's a Gemara and Soita Rashi quotes. Yonason ben Ozeel says Yechevet remarried someone by the name of Elitzafon ben Parnach, who comes up in the end of Parshas, um, in Parshas Masse. And they had two kids, Eldod and Medod. And then Amram remarried his wife. And we had a whole discussion last year, how was he allowed to remarry her after he divorced her, etc., etc. And the Rameh explained, this is, this is in the same... The same uh, uh, essay, the sort of essay that he has, that <clears throat> Amram divorced her, but he he hadn't conditioned that if one day he wants to remarry her, then the get was never valid. So when he remarried his wife, it actually turned out the get was never valid. The problem then is, but then when she lived with Elitzafan, she was doing adultery, right. which is another issue. And for that we explained, no, since at the time Yechevet thought it was a good get. There's no prohibition for her to be with Elitzafen. And it's the exact same as the story of David 
with uh, Bathsheba, I'm sorry, not Bathsheba, David with Michal, even though Michal had been living with somebody in the interim. Let's not repeat the story. But says Ramemi Pano, that because of that issue, Eldod Maiden came back and were born as mutes. Then he says further, Gamlas Sibachers, another reason they were mute. Kipushin of Wasan Shaloibishos, here's the clincher. He says, when does a prophet have to reveal their prophecy? When they were told to by God. But like Siv Lamer, it doesn't say Hashem spoke to them Lamer to tell over. Therefore, the prophecy they were given, they were not to reveal. You should not tell over the message from God if Hashem doesn't say Lamer. Hashem showed them a prophecy. It says Misnabim, right? Eldod Meidod Misnabim. It's a Rosh Tevis. Moshe Tonuach Nafsha Begana Lekim Moshe's soul will rest in the garden of God. Yeshua Machnis Yeshua will, will enter us to Israel. That's the word Misnabim. They should have concealed the prophecy until it will be told to them that they have Rishus to reveal. And that's why Yeshua was as zealous for his master and he said, Adoni Moshe Kloim, because they revealed their prophecy. Oh, he says, and since they spoke out of line when they were Eldod and Medod, therefore they came back as two mutes. Couldn't speak. Because the first time they spoke out of line. Until Rabbi Davin for them and they were healed. That's what the Ramemi Pano says. So what's he saying? That the issue Yeshua had with them was, not that they were, the, he might, Yeshua knew they were the real deal, they were true prophets. But they didn't have to say what they said. Because Hashem didn't say lame or the purpose was to reveal it. So here's the big Shiloh. So what was Yeshua's problem then? So they did something wrong. But what was Yeshua's Suffolk? If Moshe is a king, then they married B'Malchus. Yeshua had a Suffolk if Moshe halachically was a Melech or not. There's a big debate if Moshe was a king or not a king. If Moshe was a king, then how do you have the story in Parshish Yisroi, when Yisroi, when Moshe's Shver came, and there was a big meal, Moshe's Shver and all the elders, Moshe didn't sit down and eat, he walked Sorry. around, he was the waiter. How could a melech wait around? How could he be a waiter? He's being Moichel on his honor. A melech can't, a rav can, a nasi can, not a king. So many want to prove from that story, Moshe didn't have the halachic status of a king. The Rogach of Atainas, Moshe became a melech when he got the second luchas, and he came down on Yom Kippur. Because then Moshe's face shone, that's like a crown. That's when Moshe was given his crown. That's when he became a king. The story of the meal happened earlier. Not so Pashat. Many hold the story of the meal happened on that Yom Kippur. And that's why Moshe wasn't eating. He was the only one that was told by God about Yom Kippur. He knew he could, he had to fast. But everyone else, Moshe came down with the second Luchas on Yom Kippur. Everyone else had eaten the night before, so their Yom Kippur was blown. Moshe had fasted, he fasted on the mountain. So that's why when Moshe came down, he couldn't eat. Moshe had to camouflage, he's not eating with the fact he was the waiter. That's what one of the early bells of Rebbe's tainus. So there's a big... <laughs> if, the, if the meal happened on Yom Kippur, then the Rogat Shavu's vart falls off. Moshe already came down with his face shining, so if that made him a king, how did he wait, wait around by the meal? Melok can't do that. What was your shadow? So isn't the question whether he's a judge? Not a king necessarily? No, no, time, because there he were, would... There were kings. There are judges. Right? No, no, Yeshua, the Rambam holds Yeshua was a melech. The Rambam also says Moshe was a melech. But there's a Ran in one of his droshes who says differently. It's a big debate in the Rishonim. The Rambam writes, if you want to add to the Azorah, expand the Azorah, you need 70 elders, you need a prophet, you need a king, 
just like they had it when they had Moshe. He says Moshe was a melech. But there's a, there's rice that he wasn't. So it could be that, like the Ramemi Pano says, Yeshua's problem was the fact that Eldad and Medad spoke out of line. And it was belittling to Moshe. What they said was true, but they didn't have to say it. The Shail is, if Moshe is a melech, then they're murdered in Bamalchus. They rebelled against the king. And as such, who knows what the punishment could be. And, but if Moshe is not really a melech, so then they wanted that punishment. So that may have been the Suffolk of Yeshua, why Yeshua said, throw him in prison. Anyhow, this is just an introduction. What you see from here is, as far as Chumash and all the stories of Chumash, when do you throw someone in prison? Only when there's a legitimate Suffolk of what to do with them, until we cra clarify, right? Until we clarify, we throw him. <clears throat> okay, join me in number three. Number three is a Rashi Masech the Sanhedrin. We're going to see today five different reasons why you would throw someone in prison. And each of them has a source in Torah. Number three is Rashi to Rashi Masech the Sanhedrin. V'rabonan hai v'nikah hamake. It says in Pasha Mishpatim, two guys getting into, you know, a fist fight. Reuven knocks out Shimon. Shimon is seriously hurt, severely wounded to the point Shimon may not recover. So it says, if Shimon recovers, then Venika Hamaka, then the striker will be absolved. Says Rashi is quoting the Gemara Malamid Shechayv We imprison the striker until we see what happened to the victim. Says Rashi, Imam If the guy the guy was brought straight to the hospital and they see that he might die from his wounds, Chayv Hamaka. We lock up the striker. He shouldn't he shouldn't uh, be a flight risk. He shouldn't escape. Ad Shinir until we can determine im Yomosim Lavuli live or not. Lahachi Asi, that's why it says Venika Hamake. It says if the victim gets up and you know he's okay, then Venika Hamake. Mashma until the the mashma likishayokum when the victim arises, then Venika, then the striker is absolved. Miklau that teaches me ad hashta until that point, Chavushu, he is restrained, he is held in prison. So this is a similar idea that we're holding him, he shouldn't run, it's until we figure out not what sentence he has, but what crime he committed. So this is already taking it a stage further. In Chumash we see the guy did a crime, right? At least by the Mekalal, we know he did a crime, we don't know the punishment. By the Mekoshish, we know he gets death, don't know which one. Even by Eldod and Medod, we know they stood, stood out of line, the Shaila is how bad was it? Here, we don't know if this guy's a murderer or not. Right? We don't know if there really is a crime yet. But since we <laughs> you know, the victim is in hospital, we don't know what's going to happen. So we hold on, we imprison, we incarcerate the striker until it's discovered if there in fact was a crime or not. There is a crime, we just don't know how severe it is. No, but not a crime to lock him up for. Stam a punch, you don't Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, so this takes us to number four. Number four, we take it perhaps even a stage further. Number four is a Yerushalmi in Sanhedrin. Rabbi Yirmiyeh b'shem Rabbi Shmuel bar Rav Yitzchak. number four. Zoisai meres shedon in misafik. Rabbi Yirmiyeh is proving from him. The Mishnah there said if someone was accused of cursing God, then we listen to the story, but only at the end, the end, we ask the Adam, tell us exactly what you heard. We want to rehear the entire curse. Only at the end of the case. So says the Gemara, what does that mean? The entire court case, we haven't even heard the, the clincher. 
We don't hear the actual evidence of what the curse was until the end. And that's crucial. Until you hear word for word what the cursor said, you can't punish him. So that teaches me, done in Misofik, we can go through a whole court case without actually having real evidence to start off with. So says the Gemara, wait, this is the Yerushalmi and Sanhedrin, wait, wait a second. Hey, Chavide. What case are you trying to, to uh, insinuate, to, to intimate from here? That Ploini Horages Hanefesh, that if Stam someone comes to court and says, Reuven killed Shimon, we're going to lock up Reuven. Reuven will be locked up and until the witnesses come. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. You're going to grab someone in the street and you're going to lock him up and belittle him without any hard evidence. Can't be. El or rather, shots like this. If Kaini Plaini Horages Hanefesh, if people tell Bez and Reuven killed Shimon, Vahare Eidov, and there are witnesses that Reuven killed Shimon, Yehei Tophus, we're going to lock Reuven up, until the witnesses come. What changed in the Gemara's conclusion from its uh, original thought? The original thought was Bez and hears a rumor. And the question was, how could they go to the street and lock someone up based on a rumor? So what did we change? So the Pnei Moshe on the side, the Pnei Moshe, Moshe Margolis, he was actually a teacher of the Vilna Gaon for a short while when the Vilna Gaon was a kid, and he wrote a fascinating commentary on the Yudushalmi, although the Ragatshava was not a fan. It's not the same Margolis as... Uh, <laughs> he can't, he can't, can't get away from them. He can't get away from them. <laughs> It could be this is Moshe Margolis and the other guy, the Frime Zalm Margolius. Margoliot or Margalit? Margalit or Margaliut? Well, definitely in the hospitals, for sure, if they're not here. Come learn for his refuah. This will help. Oh, 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 oh. I'm going to go visit. I'm going to go to Mount Sinai. No, 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 this will be more effective. This will be more this effective. Will be we learned that in this I don't do that. I do that in the physical. I do that in the physical. Anyhow, so. Uh, the Pneumosha, it's, it's not so clear in the Pneumosha, but it, it sounds like in the conclusion, the Bezdin is actually told who the Edim are. It's not just a rumor. Right. They're told who the Edim are, and more than that, yeah, it could be they heard, it, it could be the Edim said, yes, we have testimony. Yeah. So the Bezdin knows that there is alleged testimony, but it takes time. That, you know, the Edim can only come tomorrow at 3 p.m. This guy's going to be a flight risk, so we lock him up. So from the Shalma, you see, you can even lock someone up when you don't even know if he committed a crime. It's still only hearsay. The Adam said they have testimony. All right, maybe, maybe not. So this is like as far as we take it. This is, but the Yushalmi does say if it would be Mamish only hearsay, we wouldn't lock him up. It's people saying it has to be Bezdin knows who the official Adim are. Yes. The story began, we just haven't interrogated them yet. But anything below that, the Yushami said, is taking away the person's rights. You can't arrest someone in the street and belittle him, it's taking it's away his rights of freedom. Like the law today, Probably that the law today yeah. is the same thing. Yeah. You can't just arrest a person without any. They, because so to arrest person, not so fast. That's changing. To arrest person, you have to get the okay from the judge. Okay. So from here, so we'll, we'll hold on, we'll see, we'll see. So all the sources we've seen until now, the stories in Chumash, the story in this week's parasha, Rashi in Sanhedrin, the Yushalmi Sanhedrin, they're all cases of locking somebody up until we can determine 
what their sentence is, or you know how bad their crime was, or if they did a crime. But it's never to serve as a, a punishment in and, of, uh, in and of itself. That takes us to number six. Somebody defaults on a loan. They refuse to pay. Either they have the cash or they don't have the cash. If someone has the cash and refuses to pay, what can Bezdin do to him? So look at number six. This is the tour in the Beis Yosef. In Simon Sadik Zayn and Cheshen Mishpat. So, number six, the, the bold in the middle is from the Torah, and uh, the, the, the small words on the right hand side is the Rabbi Yosef Kaira's commentary. Says the Torah, Lamed Aleph, in number six, the Kosov Adoni Avi Harashal, he quotes his father, the Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher Betshuva. Even if the borrower originally made a condition to the lender and he said, if I default on the loan, you could lock me up. When the borrower wants the money, the lender says, what's the guarantee going to pay back? He says, my life. If I don't pay you, you know, you can lock me up in the dungeon. So the Malva, you know, the lender's like, you know, this guy's, you know, so uh, the Malva's like, all right, if you're willing to go so far, you know, I could actually do some more company in my, in my, in my cells underground, right? He lends him the money. The time comes to pay, he defaults. Says the Rosh, even if he made the condition, the cost of Lloyd Bush, and he wrote a, he wrote a document, ain't a moil, it's of no uh, effect. Ain't a yachol, the lender has no ability, loyla osra, he can't um, imprison, imprison, imprison the, lend, the borrower. The loyalist by neither can he uh, use him as a slave. Use him. One gets sold as a slave for stealing, not for defaulting on a loan. The issue is, if someone has the money to pay but refuses, according to many Rishonim, they're mamish a ganav. Yes. But they're a passive ganav. You don't get sold for being a passive ganav, only for active theft. If someone's an active it's thief, intentional. doesn't active. matter, but it's passive. No. How is it passive? Because you're a thief by not paying. That's why. That's called passive. No, no. You're, you're, you're on the contrary. You How are, so? You're not only that. You made a contract. And you're denying the validity of the contract from your signature because you're not. The contract is the contract. You, the, the, such a contract is void. The Abisha doesn't allow. Look, if I take money. The Abisha says we are his servants, not servants to anybody else. There's an exception if somebody actively steals and doesn't have to pay back, he gets sold. Any other time, one is not allowed to be sold. And therefore, the lender has no right to take you, not as a slave, not to imprison you. That's it. The buck stops there. God said no. The condition isn't binding. Finished. Imagine you made a condition of a pound of flesh, you know, the, as a, the well-known story. Shloyme Yosef Zevin, the, the, the great Chabad scholar in Eretz Yisrael from decades back, who wrote the encyclopedia, the big encyclopedia, a Talmudist, so he wrote an article about a pound of flesh, the, you know, the, the Shakespeare story, Merchant of Venice. And he got lots of flack. Oh, why are you discussing Shakespeare? Up, 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 up. Many of our weren't happy that he was bringing that story into a halachic discussion. But the truth is, you would, it wouldn't, uh, such a condition is not valid. It's not, it's, it's, it's not binding. It's not binding. And the lender is biblically prohibited to take a pound of flesh or to incarcerate you or to put you into servitude. Done. That's what the tour says. The Shaila is, what about Bezdin? What can Bezdin do to enforce you to pay? So we had a shear a while ago that 
When it comes to a mitzvah assay, any mitzvah assay that someone doesn't want to do, Bezin can use all the force necessary. All necessary force. And we had a debate between the Rambam and Rabbeinu Yoyinim. The Rambam says you can kill someone. The Rambam says you can twist their hand until it hurts and hurts, and if the person doesn't cave, they'll die from the pain. It doesn't bother us. The, that's a debate between, we learned, between the Ksayis HaChayshin and the Nesivis. We learned to debate if it applies today or not. But Rabbeinu Yoyinim said it doesn't mean to kill the guy. It just means to, you know, twist his hand until he agrees. But if he's so adamant, then you just leave him, you know, you, know, you don't kill him. But the Rambam says you could. So that means if someone doesn't want to pay the loan, we can push it, you know, torture the guy. Well, you can't put him in, you can do everything but put him in prison. So let's see, look at the, look, at, we have a big debate between Rabbi Yosef Kara and the Ramah, between the Sephardim and the Ashkenazim. So look at number six in the, the number six, back to number six, on the, the, the paragraph surrounding the tour is Beis Yosef. The cost of Adoni in the bold letters is quoting the tour that the Rosh writes in a letter. Klal Samachesim Yud. What? In number six, the Beis Yosef, the Rashi letters. Yeah, yeah. The second line. The Chen cost of Harajba Betshuva. The Rajba in a letter also writes like the Rosh that even if the borrower made whatever condition stipulated, you know, you could put me in prison, it's not binding. Va'afapi. And then the Chen cost of Harivosh. And we'll see the Tshuva, the Rivosh soon. The says Rabbi Yosef Kardo Shematsasi Kosov I found B'shem Sefer Aguda. There's a Sefer called the Aguda. Rabbi Alexander Hakoyen is a Koyen. He was a student of the Mordechai. He was also a Koyen. The Mordechai was killed in 1298 in the Rheinfleisch massacres in Germany, and unfortunately, the Aguda, his student, was murdered by the plague of the the Black. The Black Plague, the Black Plague in 1349. And many believe he was murdered then, with uh, tens of thousands of Yidin were killed during the Black Plague wow. in 1348 in uh, Western Europe, 1348, 1349, because millions, millions of uh, people died and they blamed the Jews for poisoning the wells. It was one of the worst in the Middle Ages, one of the worst, some say 50,000 Yidin were killed or something, could be more. Horrible. The Mordechai was a student to the Maharam, who was not a Koyan. That breaks the Koyan. Uh, <laughs> so we don't, we don't mention him. We don't, the Maharam of Rottenburg, we don't mention him. Anyhow, so the Aguda, the Aguda says like this, the Adam were in the fourth line of the Beis Yosef. If someone has a cash but refuses to pay, Bezdin will imprison him. Bezdin will imprison someone who refuses to pay. The heavy rai, he brings a proof because it says in Shabbos, Abba Barmarta, there was a fellow Abba Barmarta, he was an Amir, Havamaski Bezusa, he owed money to Beirish Galusa to the house of the exile ark, of the, the Jewish family that was the, the nobility in Bovel, and Abba Barmarta owed them money. Now Havamatsari lay, they painted him, they actually schlepped him, they, they, um, kidnapped him, and they brought him to the house of the Reish Galusa, and they tried to force him to pay. You see from there that if someone doesn't want to pay, you take extreme measures, you can use force. Says the Beis Yosef, nearly the Lav Raya, bad proof. The Hino, the, those people that were in the house of the Reish Galusa, of the exile ark, Ikala Meimer, Dava Avdi, the Reish Galusa, Dava Pritzi. 
Maybe they were servants of a rotten exile ark. Many of these Reish Galusas, the heads of the Galus, were uh, unscrupulous fellows. Gang. And often, their, and often their servants were worse than them. So there's no proof. And he quotes a couple of Gemars. And he finishes off the last line, It could be they acted improperly. But what's Rabbi Yosef? Rabbi Yosef Kair is knocking off the proof of the Aguda. The Aguda wanted to prove from the story in Shabbos, says that Beis Yosef, there's no raya. But what Rabbi Yosef Kair is doing, he's making a debate. Rabbi Yosef Kair says, the Rosh, the Rashba, and the Rivosh all say you can't incarcerate the guy. The Aguda says you can. The Rosh is originally from Germany. He's yeah, he can. He can. Sure, he can. Well, he's bef he's, he's before the Rivosh. and um, the Aguda was a couple years younger than the Rosh and the Rajba. The Rosh passes away 1327. He passes away 1349. Why can he argue? He's 20 years younger. He's the Aguda's 20. So the Rosh starts off in Germany. The Rosh passes away in Toledo, in Spain. The Rajba lives in Barcelona, in Spain. The Rivosh is also in Spain till the end of his life when he went to Algeria. But uh, so the Spanish Rishonim said none of this stuff. The Agudas in Germany, Agudas Ashkenazi, he's in Germany. And the Agudas, so it sounds like it's almost a debate between the Sfaradim and Ashkenazim. The Sfaradish Rishonim don't allow to lock up someone for defaulting on a loan, and the Ashkenazim allow it. Comes the Ramoy number seven and says he thinks Rabbi Yosef Kaira is, is not correct here. He thinks there's no debate. The Sfaradim are talking about when the guy doesn't have what to pay. That's why you don't lock him up. The Agud is talking about when he has what to pay. According to Ramal, there's no debate. If someone has the money, you can twist his arm until he dies, according to the Rambam. Why can't you lock him up? Look at, look at the Ramal number seven, is the Darche Moshe. Says the Ramal, venerally it seems to me, ain't had dovert sarich raya. The Agud doesn't even need a raya. It's so obvious you could lock someone up. If someone has the money, the doesn't want to pay, it will force him in whatever way possible. Because pre is balchoiv is a mitzvah, paying back is a mitzvah. Umak will hit him to fulfill the mitzvah. And like the Torah himself says earlier, and so does the Rivosh, in the tshuva that the, that the Beis Yosef quotes, and we're going to see it on the next page, um, the Rivosh also mentions this idea that, the, that it makes sense to force someone to pay because paying is like any mitzvah. It's no worse than any mitzvah. Says the Ramah, he quoted a Rajba, we can't incarcerate him. But not to put him in servitude. That's when he doesn't have the money. If he has and he doesn't want to pay, to say that Bezin can't incarcerate him, doesn't make any sense. that for sure you're able to. He finishes off that the Rivosh writes in the above-mentioned Shuva, if the borrower swore that if he defaults on the loan, he'll have to go to prison until he pays, then he has to go to prison just to fulfill his oath. Because that has nothing to do with the lender. You, you made an oath, you have to do it. But what do you see from the Ramah? Big debate. Rabbi Yosef Cairo learns, despite the Shoshonim, don't allow the incarceration. The Ashkenazim do. The Ramah says there's no debate. It depends if the guy has the money or not. If he doesn't, then don't touch him. If he has, everyone will agree you incarcerate him.
So this is already another Indian of putting someone in prison. It's as a method of force. It's not as a punishment. It's as a method of force. In fact, there's a Rashi in Masech the Psachim. The Gemara there speaks about somebody who was unable to be by the Shechita because he's in prison. Rashi says, why is he in prison? By the Yidin. Rashi says, for example, he didn't want to divorce his wife or he defaulted on a loan. You see from Rashi clearly that there are times a person could be put in jail, not as a punishment, but as a method of force. If someone doesn't want to divorce his wife when he has to, you could put him in jail. It's a clear Rashi. And Rashi also gives the example of money. Just like so you'd see Rashi, the Aguda. By, by the jail, by, by the get, I understand it's helping to give the get, but if you don't have the money, what's that? No, if he has the money, if he has the money, yeah, if he has the money, if he has the money, if he has the money. Are you allowed to make him, because it, it seems like, from, especially from the Ramah, that an extra way to do it is you make the guy swear, because that way you're covering all bases, but are you allowed to make somebody no, make a show? No, 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 well, the question: How are you making? How you? How you? Say, you, I'm not giving you the money. Unless you make knock on someone else's store. door. Knock on someone else's door. No, but if you're the, the guy, has no choice. He the problem is, what did you gain from it? You gained that the guy's not going to be able to get out of it, because even if the guy tries to, you gained yeah. the tour. Yeah, but what, yeah, that's that's what you gain. What do you that's lose? You and what do you lose? Right. That a Jew will suffer on your account. So you have to nah, it's not suffering. No, it's, this is assuming no, no. he can pay you back. The question is, are you allowed Yeah, but to until he comes up with the money, he's going to be suffering in that jail cell. No, no. The whole point of the tour and everybody, the Ramah is saying, if he doesn't have the money, he doesn't. So you make him make a shvua. As long as he has the money, he has to pay you back. But the question is, are you allowed to make somebody make a shvua? It's I not, understand your question. Meaning you're not allowed to have somebody. People are not allowed to just random make oh, shvua. Oh, you're asking because of that. So yeah, you're yeah, asking no, for that. No, if you deny him the guilt unless he takes the oath to go in prison, yeah. and he makes the oath. And if he doesn't want to pay, he'll go in jail until he decides to pay. Yeah. You know? But are you allowed so, to pay? Then, 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 then he's going to be going into jail on your account. You're going to have a hand in the yid going into jail, which, you know. But he has the money to pay. Right, you right. don't have so, to go yeah, to jail, pay yeah. me. But the question the is, are you allowed to make is, an extra shvua? If the, who said the shvu is connected to if he has to pay or not, if he has what to pay or not? Who's going to judge if he has what? If the shvu is he's going to go to jail only if he has what to pay, no, He'll say the stuff I have doesn't belong to me. It's under my wife's name. How do you ever prove that? When, no, well, it's not so simple. When the Rivash speaks about the Shavuot, the Rivash doesn't get into the detail if he has what to pay or not. If someone makes an oath to go into a prison cell until he pays, he has to fulfill yeah, his oath. About a it's not a gay whether he has or not. It's until somehow someone will someone will gift him the guilt out of Rachmanus. How does Bezdin ever put somebody exactly. in jail and decide how, if he can pay or not? Bezdin has a way. You have the auditors come in. You audit the guy. So the question is... But that, but the din of the Rivosh wasn't said... The Shavuot case wasn't speaking about if he has what to pay or not. No, I'm saying you do it as an ex... For lenders. We, the Gemara many times, entire yeah, many yeah, times yeah. says, for lenders, in order so that they should lend, we don't want to block them. We don't want to make... You know, that's why you have, we, do, we do all these uh, th contracts to get around Yevil and this and that, you know, to not block the lenders from... from, from Shaloy Tin right? Yes, yes. So we don't want to close the door. So if you right, know a right. guy's going to go and always say... Uh, according to the tour, you can't throw me in jail. They brighten a contract. Throw me in jail. Then everybody knows that's unenforceable. Unless, according to Rabbi, he makes a shmuel. It's not prohibited to do that. So, it's, so I'm saying, can you can you force a guy to make a shmuel? You're not forcing him. He well, can borrow the money from can elsewhere. Can, can you be a part of a guy making a shmuel? Because shmuels are generally, we're not supposed to make shmuels. Right, I understand your question. So now, I was just point. adding that maybe your question could be, you're also going to be having a part in a Jew going to jail. No, that, which is, the Besden uh, will take care. If you're lying, you're lying. If you're cut, you're cut. The same way the Besden checks you out in general, they'll check you out here. Just adding an extra safeguard.
So the guy can't wiggle her out and, and, and take yeah. money that isn't yeah. his. Yeah, you can you can do that. that yeah, you can do that. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. So this is a, this is another another dimension of jail, not as a punishment, but as a as a, an enforcement to make sure the guy divorces the wife, pays the money. Right. It's an element of force, and once the person does that, they'll be released. They'll be released. So that's the second thing. Okay. Go to the next page. Number eight is actually the letter of the revanche. Let's see this. I'm sorry to get back to that because I, I really like uh, the position. And you mentioned to put him in jail as an enticement to pay. Does the bait in that case have the right to go to his property, to his house, and collect the debt that is owed from yeah. the lender? Yeah. So then yes. the jail part can become used. Yeah, but he hides his assets. He hides his assets. In the old days, it was Sure, easy. Ma, no. Well, no, the Mavriach and the Chassam, we have it all the time. People used to hide their assets. Hello, it's been happening ever since. It's been happening ever since. Anyhow, look at number eight. This is the Rivosh. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Sheshis. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Sheshis. Actually, it's interesting. He himself was thrown into prison. He was born in uh, 1326 in Spain. And uh, he grows up in Barcelona. He learns under the Ran, the famous Ran, Rabbeinu Nisim. In fact, at some point, he and the Ran and some other Chachom were thrown into jail. There was some libel. The Spanish authorities threw them into prison for about half a year. Long time. And then the Rivash, the Yitzchak, became a Rav in different parts of Spain. <coughs> Ultimately, he left Spain in the Great Expulsion in 1391. 101 years before the, the bigger one in 1492, there was one in 1391 that was also awful. And, uh, you know, the Christians gave the Jews the same three options, to escape the country, which many did. Many were killed, many converted. Also, tens of thousands of Jews were killed then, and uh, many converted. In fact, Reb Shemtiv Ibn Shemtiv, there were two Rishonim with that name, Reb Shemtiv, Ibn Shemtiv. There was a Zayd and there was a grandchild. The Zayd was a Kabbalist, and uh, he wrote the Sefer Ho'emunos. He was the one who coined the term that the Ralbag Sefer, Mulchamas Hashem, is Mulchamas Im Hashem, fighting a war against God. Reb Shemtiv, Ibn Shemtiv, the first one, lived during the 1391 episode in Spain, and he was very much against philosophy, and he writes, you know who caved? You know who converted? Due to the pressure, all those that were rationalists that studied philosophy. But the Jews with simple belief in God, they either, they, they scrammed, or they, uh, they died, or some other age, but they didn't, they didn't convert. It was only the rationalists. And the same thing is recorded also in 1492. Rational, masculine? Rational, what is, what is uh, Chokrim, you know, they're the, uh, philosophers, philosophers. Also masculine, similar, you know. But these were from people, but they were you know, taken by Goetia philosophy, etc. Anyhow, so during the 1391 story, the Rivosh went down south to Algeria, where he was uh, a Rav for a couple of years, passes away in 1408. So he's towards the end of the Rishonim. Look what he says in number eight. it's true, ki in this city, they would grab the, bar the borrower by his body when he became chayev. 
When he became Chayav? What does it mean, Kishin is Chayav Kain? Does that mean when the dead is due, or does that mean if he, if he, um, if they made the condition? Remember, the Rosh said even if you make a condition, it doesn't work. It could be that the Rivash is talking about that in his city, when the condition was made, they would enforce it. That's the takon of the kahal. In addition, tikno kahal, sha'af b'loi chiv, even without any obligation. Yitafes kol adam, anyone can be imprisoned. I'll call to v'yishit on any claim. Any claim will be imprisoned. Now that's just crazy. Or yitain raven. what you do is someone has a tviya against you, you can give a collateral to Bezdin. Allah tviya nikra kiyam Bezdin. You can either give a collateral to Bezdin or they will uh, incarcerate you until they find out what the deal is. Which is very strange because we saw in the Yerushalmi number four that if you don't have any hard evidence, you can't just go in the street and uh, incarcerate someone. No, but right, but here it, does, here it seems like I'll call Tvi on any claim you'll incarcerate the guy. But he's talking about Jewish Beit Yeah, yeah, Jewish people. Jewish, 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 Jewish. V'ani ratzisi limchais biyadam. I wanted to stop them on this takana because it's like it didn't It's against Judaism. V'amrali, but they said, no, it's takana sashuk b'pnei amoyin. We need to do this because there were swindlers everywhere. Yeah. It seems like it's a city imposed special conditions. Vishaloin because if you couldn't do that, no one would lend money. Yeah. So you need to give you need to give the lenders this power or else they won't lend in the first place. Vinachti so the Rivosh says, you know what, I let it go. Vinachtima, I let it go. I let it go. But but this against the Torah, right? Still. Yeah, no, but the people said Taka, but there's desperate times, call for desperate yeah, measures. Like special times. Desperate yeah, times, they had to, right, right. Too many people borrow without to give the money back. That's the problem. This type of Too many people were no, cheating, yeah, were borrowing, and then the... Uh, in other words, no, they were... As, 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 long, as long as the borrower would know there's no hard evidence, he would deny the claim or this and that. So they had to take a stronger stance. You're thrown in jail, you know, and then, yeah. But the jail is a Jewish jail, right? Oh... That's what it seems like, yeah. You should know in Spain, in Spain, the rabbis had so much power. When the Rosh moved to Spain from Germany, because when the, when the Maram of Rottenberg was taken, died in jail, the Rosh knew they're coming after him next. So he ran from Germany, he went down south to Spain. And uh, he met up, he went to Barcelona, the Rashba was there. They spent a week together in the room, speaking and learning. Then the Rashba said, I have a job for you. He got a job in Toledo for the Rosh to be the Rav. The rush is in Toledo, and the story happens. There was a guy walking outside, blaspheming a Jew, was just you know, cursing out Yiddishkeit. And people asked the rush, now listen, in the Goy Shevel, they would kill such a person. If we don't punish him, you know, it's going to incite a pogrom, the Goy, we have to. They wanted to kill him. So the rush says, listen, I come from Germany. In Germany, we don't give out. The Rabbonin don't give capital punishment. You know, we stopped that when the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. You know, we don't give capital punishment. He says, I'm not used to what they do here in Spain, so I don't think we should kill him, but I think we should just cut out his tongue. That way he'll never blaspheme again. He said, let's have Rachmanus and just cut out his tongue. That was the compassionate rabbi, you understand? So, and uh, tell me, when you do something, the government doesn't say anything? No, they gave them the power. Fakir, the kings ah, of Aragon, they gave the, the Rajbah. Yeah, yeah, mamish power, full power. And with that power still there was all these expulsions in there? It wasn't Later always on. the same, Jay. It was no, no, uh, all yeah, takes is okay. all so takes is uh, one have, change have, and everything goes on. What happens on. every time? Everything. When they, in, the, in the end of the 1200s, life was good. 
life in Spain. Golden age of Jewish, Spanish Jewish. So the Jewish people back then, Mamash had their own court, jail, everything. Yes. Very powerful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not just that, even, even the, were more, the police, the Jewish police were more powerful than the Rav, like you see over here, you know? They were given... It seems like there was a there was a threat to the Jewish community. Right, this right. Yeah, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be chaos. Yeah, they, they could have caused right, a right. Oh, but look at the next paragraph. Uh, uh, says the Rivash. This is the Rivash continuing. Avli says, If the borrower is poor, he doesn't have what to pay. You can't you can't incarcerate him. If the guy doesn't have what to pay, you can't throw him in prison and to afflict him. No, well, no, because maybe someone will have compassion and pay for his pay for him. Oh. No, that that would be the hope. But he, the guy didn't do anything wrong. He's a poor man. Why would you do that to him? No, the lender would want it because he knows that people will have compassion right. and bail the guy out by Go paying. But, exactly. Even if there was a document, even if the the borrower wrote a document, and even if, let's say, the condition would work, we saw already the Rosh says it doesn't. Right, we saw in the tour in number six, quotes and father, the condition does But even if it would, because I feel a lavrel of fun, even if it would work, the lender has no right to exercise the power to incarcerate. The lender's not even allowed to walk in front of the borrower to embarrass him. Like it says in Ezra Neshech, it says, If someone, if, if Reuven is owed money by Shimon, the idea by Reuven knows Sha'in Lashim can't pay, also to walk in front of him because it says Lysia Lykanoshi can't demand from him. <coughs> so, how could Bezdin, if Reuven can't even harass Shimon for the money, how could Reuven incarcerate Shimon? Even if Shimon wrote a document that'll be incarcerated, and even if, even if somehow the condition would work on Shimon's end, we would never allow Reuven to exercise that right. How could we allow Reuben to do this? And the Kol he says that the condition Bechal doesn't work, like I wrote above. And he actually, earlier in the Tshuva, he quotes the Rosh as well. He says, the Rosh from Talita. And then he says, I don't see any other reason that it should be allowed the Tafsa Begufa to incarcerate him if he doesn't have what to pay. This is self-help. There's no self-help. Elim Kane, unless he swore. This is where the Rivosh yeah. says if he swore. The Rab, we saw the Ramon number seven quotes this idea. Here yeah. it is. Yeah. If he swore to place himself in prison, not to leave until he pays, Vizel Kane Ustagis. I don't know, Ustagis. Maybe you go ask your Spanish cleaning lady what that might mean. If he swore something else. Because it's not it's nothing to do with Ruven the lenders, to do with Shimon the borrower, he swore. If Shimon, in order to appease Reuven to lend him the money, swore that he'll take upon himself incarceration until he pays, that's his personal oath. But otherwise, we can never allow Reuven to, to, allow, to, to take Shimon to prison. We would never put Shimon in prison if he doesn't have what to pay. So it's funny that in the Rabbi Yosef Cairo quoted the Rivash, you can't incarcerate. The Ramos says, Rivash clearly is talking about he doesn't have what to pay. The Aguda says, he's talking about if he does have what to pay. So there's no debate, there's no debate. You have to read the whole truth of the Rivash. It could be this, anyways. So this is a, another dimension of jail that is in order to impress upon a person to fulfill their, their um, you know, it's a way of force to make sure they fulfill their dues, but not as a punishment. Let's just finish up. Number 10 is a third element of jail. So far we have what? I, the guy, shouldn't be a flight risk. We should f figure out what to do with him, like El Dodd and May Dodd and all the sources we saw.
We saw a second thing, which is to make sure the person the does what they have the to do, the debts or the divorce, the wife, right? Number 10 is a mission in Sanhedrin. If someone kills someone without witnesses, we put him into a small cell. We feed him lechem tsar or maim lachatz, bare water, bare bread, and they'll end up dying from starvation. Or that the bread, you know, if you feed, there's another idea that you could stuff him up with barley until his stomach Isn't explodes. That a case where everybody knows. So, so, uh, so, 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 so the Gemara wants to know if there's no witnesses, how do you know? So the Gemara says that the witnesses were, you know, they contradicted each yeah. other on a subtlety. So the guy was off the hook on a technicality. So, so here you see that there's that... that here, it, we imprison him as a punishment, but it's only to lead to the death. Right? It's not that the imprisonment itself is a punishment. It's because we can't kill him actively because we don't have enough evidence, so we have to die passively. But it's not for the... The prison is just a means to an end. It's a means to kill. It's a means to an end, exactly. exactly. So this is the third issue. Then we have... This is the real... The clincher is the Rambam here in number 11. No one knows the source of this Rambam. The Rambam wrote it, no one knows the source of it. What does that mean? That he didn't... The Rambam quotes Allah, and we have no source of an earlier... Um, Gemara, Bavli, anything, anything that says this. Nothing. Which sefer is this in? It's in Hilchus Reitzeach, the laws of murdering the second parent. The Rambam is talking, what if someone hires a hitman? Oh. We know, we, we have aid in that Reuven hired a hitman to kill Shimon. Assassin. Huh? Assassin. Yeah. Says the Rambam, or, or he gives another example. What if you tie up someone and then, you know, and then uh, the animals come and they, uh, they kill him. These types of murderers, we're number 11, Mrs. Bezdin. Bezdin can't kill them because they either, they only caused the murder or they hired an assassin. Bezdin can't kill someone for hiring an assassin. But if the king wants to kill them with the authority of the king, you know, to fix the world, the king could kill him. The Melech has the right to step in and kill the guy. The Chain, so to not just the, the Bezdin. Bezdin have the right to give unauthorized punishments if the time is necessary. It's a Gemara in Yavamas. This, this has arrived. If Bezin wants to make an exception that the time, desperate times, call for desperate measures, was necessary, they have Rishus based on what they see. But then he says, next halacha, what if the king didn't kill them? And the Shah, and Bezin, you know, it wasn't like murder was a rampant, it was a one off story. So Bezin didn't feel like they have the right to kill him, you know. Hare Bezdin, Chayovin, Mikol Mokam, they still lahakoisa makaraba. Bezin should seriously beat this guy to a pulp. Hakroivalamisa close to death. The lesser Oison and to imprison him, Bemotzer Motzik, in a horrible prison, Shonim Rabbis many years. The only time where we have prison as a punishment. Ulitzar on it to torture them, Bechominate Tsar. In order that others should be afraid, to to intimidate other wicked people, that they shouldn't do the same thing and say, I will cause to kill my enemies like Reuven did, and Reuven was off the hook. So we'll say Reuven was not off the hook. 
This is the only source we have of keeping someone in prison for many years, yeah? Can you just give uh, an example? There was a guy in uh, Russia, my time, that uh, anyone, he, 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 he became a special tattle teller to the government, and he caused a lot of them that they should be put in jail or killed and so on and so forth. And so it was a person, private person, that since he's a, a tactical tailor, uh, if I got a lawyer, Amaisa, they said that, that they were allowed to, to bring you know, such a thing that they should kill him. I, I, the way I recall, they didn't still they could, didn't know, know it. They were, the word. The WDJ is it was. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think, because they were afraid that we had to tell, because they had the hands with the government, and then a lot of the Jews would suffer much more. Yeah, so it wasn't worth it. Uh, so attacking, uh, got rid of them? No, they were scared to. If they would kill him, then there would be uh, worse repercussions from the government. They did not have the, the official authority. Anyhow, the fifth reason to incarcerate someone would be that they're a threat to the public, right? In fact, that's often a reason someone's put behind bars because they continue to be a threat. They killed once, they'll kill again. That is definitely something the Torah believes in. The only thing is, you, you know... It, if the reason you're incarcerating them is to save the public, then they can be in nicer conditions. They don't have to be suffering in horrible conditions. You want to take away their freedom because of what they might do to others. But then, there's a but that, then, then the only right you have is just to bar them from society. No, but Rambam is you know, also talking about a detriment factor. Right, right. So the, the, right. the Rambam is talking about when it's a, this guy may no longer be a threat. So it could be to others. Also for him not to do it in the first place. Right, there's two. But, the Rambam yeah. says, but you want to make him miserable, so you're talking exactly, about others. others. others right, but know. obviously also for him... Yeah, he needs his punishment. The foresight. No, 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 no. He, if he knows this is what's going to happen, it will dissuade him from doing I the see, crime so in the first place. when you let place. him out. If he knows that they have the power If he knows he's going to be suffering 20 well, years the in the dungeon, turn. he won't do it. That's what he's turn. talking about at the but end. But even for him. The turn for him, they should not to do it in the first place. Jail well, time is a deterrent for the, 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 the no. The jail time is you, jail oh. time is usually deterrent for the cr criminal themselves. People, yes. They shouldn't do it because if they do, they'll be incarcerated. Right, but you have to do it to the first guy to yes, deter the yeah. next one. There always no, has to be a right, first right, guy right. that the Rambam's yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, beat okay. him up. Granted, and granted, everybody else afterwards. Grant, yeah. grant, fine, granted. Yeah. And yet, and, and yet, the jails are full everywhere in the world. Just like you know, in Israel, if you're going to attempt to be a terrorist, you're going to have a capital punishment, they'll be doing it. You know what they say? There was a shikr, a drunk. He wakes up. He wakes up in prison. He asks the police, why am I here? says, for excessive drinking. He says, wonderful. When do we begin? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so generally speaking, there's five, five reasons, let's say, for jail. Though... The, the reason we find in Chumash is uh, until the sentencing. It's like prison before the sentencing. The person shouldn't run away. We have to figure out what the punishment is or if there was a crime or et cetera, et cetera. And, that we have good to, and that's actually what Yeshua probably did as well with Eldad and Meid until we figure out what to do with them. That's, that's for sure, that's for sure allochically granted. What? That's what Yeshua wanted to do or the attacker put them in jail. Yeshua wanted to. No, Moshe was Michael. It goes back to Yeshua wasn't sure if Moshe was considered a king or not. Right. Moshe's response was, I'm not a king, I could be Michael. 
I could be Michael Mandated. The second thing we saw is when jail is used as a, a technique of force to enforce someone to do what they have to do. And that we saw Rabbi Yosef Kaira is not supportive, the Ramo is. Um, in fact, Rabbi Yosef, the Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz says that in his times in Germany 250 years ago, you know, jails was a, it was a norm of life. You know, that if someone would default on a loan when they have what to pay, it was an, it was a necessary uh, element of force that was used. It was used. Rashi and Masachim says someone doesn't want to divorce his wife, and he has to. The Yidden could lock him up until he's ready. The third thing we saw was when somebody gets off on a technicality for murder, we'll throw him into a prison cell and feed him barley or food until his stomach explodes, etc. Which is prison being used as Killing. Not a means to it, not an end in itself, but a means to an end. Just we want them to die passively. The fourth thing is we saw in the Rambam, though number eleven, the Rambam does say it's the only source that we have, an idea of keeping someone in jail for years because their crime was a completely was an atrocity, atrocious, and uh, it serves as a punishment. But it's more for the other people to be dissuaded from doing like the, the crime. It seems like the Rambam's establishing that. It doesn't mean, it doesn't, I don't see where it says here that he's basing it on anything other than he's creating the same way the Advash says that. This no, is, so why do, throw in, do. why do you throw him in prison? Just say you beat him to a pulp until they're he's, almost he's dead. He's talking about a new, a new philosophy, which is well, the no, world no, no, has no, taken no, on no, And the fifth thing of jail is when you push it, holding someone back that they're, you know, they're a potential threat to society. The Rebbe spoke about jail many times, and he spoke about the fact that in Torah you don't find jail used as a punishment. And the Rebbe said because in Torah sometimes someone needs a big, a big, a big slap, you know. They get the slap, whether it's a whopping monetary fine or it's malchus or something, and they pick themselves up and they continue with their lives, hopefully with a changed attitude. But stam to lock up someone for 10 years, 20 years, or, I mean, you're, God... Wants, they're here. They're living and breathing. God wants them to accomplish. You're taking away their uh, their whole reason for existence. You're removing from them. And that the Torah doesn't believe in. You know, all the other reasons make sense. Why you put all the other reasons we said, the four other reasons all make sense. Mm-hmm. But this idea of stamp being a punishment, let's say in the case of the Rambam, this guy hired a hitman. It was horrible. You lock him up for 20 years. Five years in, maybe the changed man already, but you're still going to keep him there just so others. It seems like this was a problem. Unless, so un- unless maybe that's why the Rambam says that's why the Rambam says the whole vote is for others to learn. Yeah. When he stays for another fifteen years, taka like for him it doesn't make sense. Wow. But like, something is being gained, which is other, other people, people are learning don't from say. Him. That plenty of right. In other words, every day he's staying there, he's preventing murders on the yeah, street. Yeah. This guy, by sitting there doing nothing in the prison cell, is preventing murders on the street. Well, but you are, but you are not imprisoning the one who was the hired hitman, the professional. He gets killed. He gets oh, killed. He gets killed. Yeah. He did the murder. Okay, yeah, he's a murderer. Part. He can't blame it on the the one that sent him. By Naveri, you can't say I'm only his messenger. Yeah. You should have listened to God. So, so, so all these examples are like prison being used as punishment, but how about like prison used as like rehab, rehabilitating something? Well, right. one of one right. is a rehab. 